0: Live from the heart of Lincoln America. Welcome to Ticket Weeknights on 937 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: Welcome in kids. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Husker Rewind every Sunday, five to seven, of course. Probably not our normal viewership, uh, but we are on the stream today. The Sarter we're streaming on the Sarter Heyman stream. Husker Rewind as we we do every Sunday night. Okay. Oh, uh 3, I'm sorry. I'm sorry Mike. Turn <laughs> uh, turn two I off. Turn turn two <laughs> off and three on. There we go. Uh there we go. We are on the air, uh Husker Rewind, but just on the stream tonight because there's an NFL game. Man, frustrating if you're a Ravens fan. They had so many opportunities. Uh, Flowers in the end zone, except he wasn't, stretches out. It's knocked out by a Chiefs player. That really cost them. Well, then did- Lamar threw an interception. and uh, But they're still in it. It's 17-10. Baltimore has kicked a field goal with 2.34 left to go. They do have two timeouts and the two-minute warning. So they theoretically could come back. But you look at this game, they've blown it. They've really had a big opportunity to win this game, and it looks like they won't. And Zay
0: Flowers also, don't forget, when he caught the the one long pass to get him down to the 10-yard line, then he gets an unsportsmanlike conduct Um, for shoving Janarius Sneed down. So then it's first first and 10 from the 25. Granted, they could have scored had Flowers not fumbled, but just bonehead play by Flowers to get the penalty, bonehead play by Flowers to extend the ball the way he did without holding on to it better. Uh, to fumble right before the goal line. And then what the hell was Lamar Jackson doing Thrown into triple coverage? That made no sense at all.
1: There was a play called on the Ravens for a late hit on Mahomes, which extended a drive and ran three more minutes off it. Uh, It does feel like there's a Mahomes bias. Maybe it's just my Chiefs' hatred. and I wouldn't say hatred. I just don't like them. I just don't like them. But go back and watch the NFC title game
0: last year, the Super Bowl last year. Every 50-50 or uh, anything that was subjective always favored the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, I've never liked the Chiefs, but but this year I have grown an absolute disdain for the Kansas
1: City Chiefs. And there's a flag on the Chiefs, so that's that's a big penalty on the Chiefs. It looks like a nice. big run by Pacheco is going to come back, and uh, it's going to be 1st and 15. And that also stops the clock. Uh, so that's a big deal. Uh, the Chiefs are going to get penalized, I believe. Ah, uh, wait and see on that one, but... Uh, they deserve it. And then the Lions tonight. Who are you going for? San Francisco? Oh, no, oh, I, no I, it I, is on the Ravens. They're calling it on the Ravens. Imagine that. Every call has gone against the Ravens. Every one of them. Yeah. It's just not fair. Um, uh, so the Chiefs, it looks like, are going to make the Super
0: Bowl. Well, I mean, as a Cowboys fan, it's it's in my DNA. I'm not allowed to root for the 49ers
1: uh, because of Joe Montana and Dwight Clark and the, the, the catch. I guess so. I, I became... <laughs> A 49ers fan, like a lot of Husker fans because of Rathman and Craig. And remember, they had this sticker on the side of the helmet. I, I, I became, get, I get it,
0: and I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are not at Nebraska anymore, and I didn't care. I still didn't like them.
1: Yeah. Well, I um, get it.
0: I get it. Um, now, At least I can respect San Francisco. Be, because, like, to me, Christian McCaffrey is one of the best guys in the NFL, one of the best genuine human beings in the NFL. So I can respect that. But Mahomes is not genuine. Mahomes is, I mean, watch the whatever quarterback show you're talking about. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I, I, it, Kirk Cousins was in it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was in it. You had uh, Ritter. Uh, he had a few other guys in it. And I just didn't think Mahomes, and his wife especially, Mahomes was okay. But his wife came off as just kind of a brat. And so I, I just, Brittany. <laughs> she came off as words we cannot say yeah, on the radio. She came off as a little bit of a brat to me. And I guess I'm tired of the Taylor Swift thing. This could be well, that. Without-
0: so so ESPN, no offense, ESPN. Well, lots of offense, ESPN. No one cares that follows sports to see you have your top headline on your list of stories be here's a video of Taylor Swift celebrating Travis Kelsey's TD. Stop. Yeah, Stop. I, That's I, not sports. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's get to the opening kickoff
0: lasher will kick it off for oklahoma the sooners are in white we are in lincoln nebraska and we are ready to go you know who else was ready to go today nash hutmaker uh nash wins i think it was 1913 over some uh dude from wisconsin nebraska rolled in that one uh over the badgers badgers are a top 25 team i think nebraska's ranked mm-hmm. sixth uh but nash was pretty dominant uh, and an all too familiar scene for Nebraska basketball yesterday, when they play on the road, they just absolutely get abused. What by a is team it? Do you think that I is? Mean, I, I pers- it's I tough told to you, win on the road. I mean, it really I, is I, tough to win on the road. Yeah, but when when one of your leaders, one of the guys you brought in to be like the guy that's played up five hundred games in in college basketball that you expect on the road to have some poise and have some some stand upishness or whatever, yeah. uh, when he's sitting there pouting and won't you know high five teammates or touch hands with them or whatever, and he walks around like somebody kicked his dog. I mean, I'm not going to say who it is,
1: but watch the game. You'll figure it out. That's a problem. I I also think the lack of a point guard has really hurt this team. I, I oh, wonder how much differently. I wonder how different Nebraska would be if Aaron Eulis were available.
0: I don't know how good he is. That's the whole thing. He started I don't, think, I don't a, think he needs to be good, but great. But, I think he
1: needs to be serviceable
0: and the, he would be a dramatic. I, but we don't know if he is. He started a lot of games at Iowa. The thing was, he never finished. Yeah.
1: So I I don't know why I, I would have loved to have found out. Exactly. And I also think that not having blaze Kada has hurt this team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The physicality of a kid, I mean, I just think that he would have been really good to have in a game like yesterday or, or go back to Minnesota or Rutgers. Uh, the, the guy plays 15. If he can give you 15 minutes and five rebounds, which he's done before. Well, I yeah. think I think that's a big difference for this
0: team. Well, he had a game last year. He played 10 minutes, and he had, like, what was it, 11
1: points and 12 rebounds. Yeah. I mean, he has that and ability. He, so. And he didn't play more than maybe 10 minutes in that game. Yeah, yeah, that was it. He played and, 10 minutes. And, and so. you get uh, Julian Reese, who had 16 rebounds. I think that he could be effective on a guy like that. Yeah. So Nebraska gets smoked at Maryland,
0: 73-51 yesterday, and the score is not indicative of how much of a whooping that was by Maryland. That was a whooping. Uh, put a damper on the week after a home win against Ohio State. They didn't play well in the last 10 minutes of the game, which is starting to become a concern. That's starting to become a habit for them, regardless of home or away. However, they figured out how to get the W uh, against the Buckeyes rank. What a game, man. 34 oh. and 10, goes six of eight from three point range. Up next for Nebraska, 13th ranked Wisconsin at the vault on Thursday. Uh, women's basketball team is now 13 and 7, 5 and 4 after getting smoked by Caitlin Clark and Iowa. They host Purdue on Wednesday at PBA. And somebody made they they posted the video of when Caitlin Clark uh drove by Jazz Shelley. Jelly Jazz Shelley was a little physical with her. There was no call uh out by the three point line. She kind of bumped her a little bit, and then she pff, walked right by her and scored a layup. And as they're going back up the floor, Iowa intercepts the inbounds pass. And so Caitlin Clark spins around jazz. Shelley kind of starts going back towards it. And you see Caitlin Clark a couple of times, check over her shoulder. And then she stops and kind of throws this little mini shoulder into jazz. Shelley. wasn't much of a hit. Nothing got called, but they're like more motivation for pack the vault and Bob. Like, like it was this massive cheap shot. And it's like, no, it was, it it was an attempted cheap shot, but it's not like there was an intent to injure or whatever. She bumped her. If you if that's what you got to look for for motivation after getting smoked again by Iowa, uh, then I think you're stretching. So sorry, by the Nebraska way, women's uh, basketball fans get over it.
1: Valdez scantly just makes a big catch uh, on third down. The Chiefs have pretty much sealed it now and are going to the Super Bowl. <clears> uh, third and third and seven, Mahomes completes like a thirty yard pass. So figures. I mean he's he's really really good. Uh, and my point is he's really really good. He doesn't need that much help, that much help by the officials because he gets a lot of it. He gets a lot of extra help. He does. Former Husker outside
0: hitter Allie Batenhorst is going to continue her playing career at USC, she announced yesterday. Uh, As Tom just mentioned, looks like Kansas City headed to the Super Bowl. No surprise there. I can guarantee you no matter what would happen in this game, the referees and the NFL would have made sure that the Chiefs got back. Uh, In a totally unsurprising move, Jim Harbaugh has left Michigan to become a Head coach in the NFL, he will be the head coach for the Chargers. Sharon Moore was named new head coach at Michigan on Friday. Uh, Interesting move, or not interesting move, interesting happenings to an NFL player. Uh, New England Patriots wide receiver Kayshawn Booty was arrested Thursday in Baton Rouge over allegations of illegal sports betting while playing at LSU. The Louisiana State Police Gaming Enforcement Division found that Bootle bet on sports, from April 6th of 2022 until May 7th of 23, when he was 20 years old, I'm assuming on May 8th, he mm. turned 21, he used an alias to get around the age requirement. He placed more than 8,900 wagers and at least 17 of those on NCAA football games, including at least six involving
1: LSU. Yeah, that's that's not good. I as, When you bet on your own yeah. team, and that's where Ulysses, I think, got in trouble uh, when he was at Iowa. Yeah, he didn't bet. I don't think he bet on the Hawkeye Basketball team. So he I, bet I on the football on the football team. team. But yeah. yeah, regardless, it really does
0: make you wonder, though, how deep. I mean, it's. I, I can almost guarantee you, it happens at every university in some way, shape, or form. There is a student athlete that is illegally gambling.
1: What do you think of this? Because it's, it's so easy to do with NIL. Obviously, they can do endorsements. Can they do endorsements for gambling? That's a great question.
0: I mean, is Warhorse Casino going to throw? Yeah, two hundred thousand dollars a year at, at Dylan Raiola to you, be the you, face you of the You can't bet on the
1: games, but can you endorse <laughs> I the product? I, I'm I would, wondering.
0: I don't know. I would think Trev Alberts might have a problem if the Nebraska student athlete <laughs> well, was going to endorse the gamble. Ma- I think but, he has
1: a pro- I think a lot of these athletic directors have a big problem with NIL in general. Even though they say they're in favor of it, I don't think a lot of them are.
0: I, I think they're in favor of it, but I also believe they feel like it needs to be controlled, not just complete it's the wild, wild. Yeah, place. and and well, and to a point, uh, the Iowa guy, the, the five-star Alabama, it, cover that really quick. You talk about wild, wild west and yeah,
1: tampering. I can't think of his name right now, but he's an he's a offensive tackle, played for Alabama, one of the 29 players to transfer when Nick Saban left the program, transferred to Iowa, and makes a statement once he gets to Iowa, hey, uh, I just want to thank the Iowa coaching staff for all their support <laughs> when I was at Alabama and homesick. Yeah, uh, K- uh, that, K- that's Katon Proctor. That's called tampering uh, the last time I checked. Yeah, he's but, like, I, I you know. appreciate him checking in with me all year during the season. And I, I don't think it's for the first time it's happened. I think it happens all the time in college football. I think that, you know, when Ernest Hausman had 15 tackles against Michigan, then suddenly he's going to Michigan. That's suspicious to me. Yeah.
0: And is he going to transfer to uh, Los Angeles to play for the Chargers? Now? Yeah. Who knows? Um, not that. Allegedly, anybody involved on the Michigan staff, that's now with the Chargers made a phone call to him. Illegal. Whatever. Um, Tim, okay, in breaking news earlier today that goes down as, yep, that's the Iowa way. Kirk Ferentz has hired Tim Lester as the new offensive coordinator at Iowa. He was the head coach at Western Michigan. He was fired in 2022 after having the 127th best offense in the country. He was an analyst for the Packers last year, this past season, and in 2022, his Western Michigan offense points per game 119th, Woo-hoo! yards per game 125th, first downs per game 120th, and his quarterbacks completed 49.9 percent of the passes. I'm going to steal this from one of the uh, podcasts that uh, supports Nebraska. They they tweeted out something along the lines of uh, every answer to every question Kirk Ferentz asked in the interview was, um, I think Deacon Hill is a great quarterback, and she had no right to fire your son. <laughs> I right. mean, he's literally the second worst offensive coordinator in the last five years in major college football, oh. and he's going to replace the
1: worst. So I guess technically it's a step up. I Whatever. I, in some ways, I don't think Kirk Ferentz wants a good offense. I think he's very comfortable running for three yards of carry uh, three times in a row, punting the football and giving it back to his defense and winning games 13 to 10, as he did against Nebraska. They've it, but, won but, so many games that way. But you don't always have Cooper DeGene, so. No, they don't. They always seem to have a pretty good defense, though. Yeah. Um, I but don't know. It, it's th- going to be interesting. Their offense has been terrible for a long, long time. Yeah, um, <laughs> Ever since Brian took over. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but he'll he'll probably get a gig. I mean, who knows? Uh, Brian Ference will end up somewhere. Yeah, he'll 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 be the
0: water boy at uh, like Eastern Louisiana Tech. Mm.
1: Uh, by the way, uh, we talked about coaching changes. Uh, Iowa just hired an offensive coordinator, Tim Lester, as you mentioned uh, from Western Michigan. Michigan just hired a head coach to replace right. Jim Harbaugh. Um, Sharon, I. I, I I didn't think Sharon, is it Sharon Moore? I thought it was Sharon, but... Sharon, Sharon Moore. Both probably wrong. Uh, he, the offensive coordinator, coached four games this year, did a really good job in Jim Harbaugh's absence, suspended a couple of different times during the season. Uh, one for the spying scandal, um, which we all know that they did, and he still denies. So Moore takes over after doing a very good job. He's very young, uh, probably one of the younger coaches in college football at 37. Did Michigan get it right there? No, do you think? no,
0: gosh, no. That's a horrible hire.
1: I get it. You're going to try to keep recruits, but five years from now, he's not going to be the head coach of Michigan. And what you just said is the reason I think they did it. I think he did a really good job, but uh, it's much different, you know, being a coach for four games and taking over a program, especially this day and age when you really have to be a GM, a CEO, all those things and a head coach. Um, and maybe he'll work out. But it, I think those are big, big shoes to fill. Yeah. It, I, I didn't it, like Jim Harbaugh, but he's a great, great coach. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but well, he's a great coach when he cheats.
0: Uh, maybe I'm wrong. This, this Sharon Moore can be the next Blinken Riley, possible, uh, or the next Ryan
1: Day. But I, I don't see it. I just don't. Um, what they were trying to prevent is what happened at both Washington and Alabama, and more so Alabama with 29 guys leaving. Yeah. Uh, you hire a new guy and, and, everybody leaves almost instantaneously. And you understand why he's a hall of famer. He's, he's a legend. He's probably the best. No, he is the best coach in the history of football. I I would agree. College or pro. Yeah.
0: And the thing is though, with Alabama, I I mean, if I'm a player, I I get it. Um, He's been a great coach everywhere. He's gone and he's got Midwestern ties and blah, blah, blah. And the story's awesome from where he came from. But Kalen DeBoer is not a good fit at Alabama. I mean, there there's forty boosters that he needs to worry about that he didn't have to worry about at Washington. That is true. And um, if if, but you, if you're a player at
1: Alabama, I'll just play the devil's advocate. Uh that place recruits itself. And it used to. Nobody has ever been really good since I mean, let's face it, Saban kind of invented that job since Bear Bryant was there. I mean, they they hadn't been really I know they'd won a national title. Would they win two national titles without Saban? Was it one or two without Saban since Bear Bear Bryant? Bryant. Well, Bear Bryant won several. Went back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, But since then, they went through kind of a dry spell. And then Saban wins, I think, seven altogether, one at LSU and six at Alabama. I mean, he's by far the coach, the best coach in college football history. So anybody you get is not going to, it's kind of like Nebraska replacing Tom Osborne. Anybody you get, and Frank Solage was really good, 59 and 19. Um, anybody you get is not going to be Nick Saban.
0: No, uh, Gene Stallings in '92 is the only one that won. That's, okay, so,
1: so that the basically tells you that that's a really hard job without a legend. So, I mean, so, even Alabama's a hard job without a Nick Saban but or that, a Bear Bryant. And that's that's
0: my point. Alabama recruits for itself to the name when Nick Saban's the head coach, right. but not when he's not the head coach. Whether it, whether it was Bill Curry, uh,
1: Mike Debose. Uh, no, they don't recruit to that. And Michigan hadn't won a national title. They won the 97 national title, which was really Nebraska's. Uh, but they hadn't won a title, a real title, an outright title since like the forties, which I don't count anything before the seventies. I don't count it. I just don't. When you had like three different kinds of titles and everybody's, you know, writers are voting and, uh, coaches are voting and you don't really have a true title winner. It's tough for me to take those as seriously. In fact, even Nebraska in, in, 70 and Nebraska 97, I don't count them the same as I do the other three national titles. I just don't hmm. fair enough. I, I don't, I just, they're not the same to me they're, I know there's still national titles and Nebraska still won them. Um, but you know, when you, when you were dominant in 95 and you were obviously the title winner or 71 or 94, those are, to me, are are bigger titles than the others that are kind of split. But, um, I I it's, I, I think you're right. I think I think DeBoer a really good coach. I think his record is 105 and 12 overall on all of his stops. He's a really good football coach. But is he the right fit? I don't know. I don't think we're going to know until we know. Yeah. So, <laughs> just I've been trying to pull it up because I'm like, man, who what? The, like there was a host
0: of coaches after Bear Bryant, Ray Perkins, you know whatever he went 48 and 32 from 83 to 86 bill curry from 87 to 89 36 and 26 gene stallings had one natty but he went yeah. 87 and 62 then mike dubose not great shula
1: was there right for dennis a while.
0: francione uh, i don't think so shula dennis uh,
1: francione okay. no
0: mike oh yeah mike shula yeah, yeah. you're right you're right yeah. you're right mike shula was there from 03 to 06 uh do you know who he ultimately nick saban ultimately took over for it was it was not Mike Shula because I believe he was fired in 06 and someone finished in interim I,
1: at the end. I have no idea.
0: I've never heard this name before. Joe Kynes. K-I-N-E-S.
1: Yeah, I don't know who that is. He was
0: is. 1-0. He's, got, he's the greatest coach in Alabama history.
1: He <laughs> never I he, lost. I thought he had taken over for Shula, but I don't remember Joe Kynes. Well, no, and, and he technically
0: did because he started in 07. Shula was uh, the head coach at the beginning of 06, but uh, was fired with one game to go and Joe Kynes finished it up. So.
1: Well, there you go. Um, it, it's... It's like the old saying goes, you don't ever want to replace a a legend. I mean, it almost never works out. It did for Nebraska with Tom Osborne replacing Bob Devaney. But in the history of football, it it almost never works out. It kind of worked out with Solage. I mean, he really did have a pretty good record, but it didn't work out because he got fired. Yeah, I I mean, granted, you can
0: go back and what would have happened yeah. had he not been fired and had he not had Steve Peterson as an AD uh so if he would have had someone that supported him right if 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 he's T-L- in the, he's in the college football hall of fame so he's a really good coach yeah no but that's the like if T.O. would have been the head coach or the uh, AD um instead of going into government right i think solich would have had a much longer leash and he probably would have had another 5 year plus to to figure out how good yeah. he is yeah I don't think he would have succeeded. I personally don't.
1: I don't know. We'll never find out. We know that he did succeed after he left Nebraska at Ohio, uh, but the expectations at Ohio are much less than Nebraska. competition level of coaches and competition (laughs) level of
0: players is a little different, too. But
1: that was a grease fire before he hit Ohio. That was not a good job. Uh, It was a really bad job, and he turned it into a pretty good job because they had another good year this year. Uh, Let's get to break and uh, talk a little football and hoops with B.C., one of our favorites, Brian Christofferson of Husker 24 7. We'll do that coming up next. Back to the ticket weeknights on
0: 937 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. Welcome back to Husker Rewind here on 937 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. That is Tom Stevens. Hello. I am Mike Melby, and joining us now on the Allo VIP line exceptional service with local heart with aloe fiber it is mr brian christopherson from husker 24 7 bc how are you man i'm doing good how are you guys we're doing good i'm not doing good man the chiefs won i'm not
1: happy are you a chiefs fan (laughs) are you in on the chiefs Do you care either way how do you feel about the chiefs bc
2: um i'm quietly down on the chiefs but i lay low and Cause I know uh, I'm surrounded um, in this area. So I, I just kind of keep to myself about it. But I, I, I was I, I was not rooting for him. If if
1: I <laughs> it were put before the lie detector test, I'm not a big Mahomes fan after watching the quarterbacks uh, on Netflix. I, I just didn't love it. I, the, I, his wife, I, it's not so much him, but maybe his wife is kind of a brat. Um, but what Kelsey did before, did you hear See or hear what happened with Kelsey be, before the game in the warmups? I saw uh. But Justin Drew Tucker. Dustin Tucker's uh, helmet to the side, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, and a couple of footballs that were there as well. I guess, he, and the, my understanding is he actually did it twice, they, and they caught it on video yeah. once. <laughs> I blame Taylor Swift.
1: <laughs> I blame Taylor
2: uh, Swift. Yeah, um, I mean, Chiefs fans should enjoy it because uh, you know when you're on top, you you got to relish those moments because it doesn't last forever. Although it might last a while, it seems like. Uh, but they also can understand why the rest of us are a little tired of it because they would feel the same way. If it, if there were, say, our Minnesota Vikings, Tom, ever like made a run of four Super Bowls in five years, which uh, I can't imagine the world would blow up before then, but <laughs> if it happened, people would be sick of us. No.
1: But, uh, I want, it, I it want people to be sick of us. I want people <laughs> to hate us, um, but they never do. They just only feel sorry for us. But the Chiefs, I guess that's when you're really good, people hate you. So, uh, you know, maybe it's yeah. a, a crown. I, mean, I something they should wear. I got to go
0: back it. 25 years before it's the case for my NFL
1: team and the yeah. Cowboys. Yeah. Although that, that's
0: not true. Everybody that's not a Cowboys fan hates the Cowboys. Yeah. So, yep.
1: Yeah. There you go. Uh, BC, Husker basketball, they lose again on the road. They, they obviously play really well at home. And we saw that again earlier this week versus Ohio State in the blowout win where Rick Mass gets 34 points. They go on the road. He only gets five in the loss and a big loss to Maryland, 73 to 51. How do you explain what goes on with this team when they hit the road?
2: Yeah, it's really disappointing. Um, I mean, it is tough for everybody in this league to win away, but you would have hoped they would have got at least one or two of these um, at this point. And I just, I'm really hoping we're not looking back, you know, in whatever it is, seven, eight weeks at like the game at Minnesota and the game at Rutgers in particular as, Games that were right there in your hand, you're up double double digits in the second half, and uh, you, you don't close a deal because uh, you know if you had even one of those, you'd feel a little bit better right now. If you had both of them, you'd feel way better, and you could accept some of these other road losses. But yesterday was disheartening, and it was disheartening because it was the third game on the road where there was a familiar theme of you know, as Fred Hoiberg terms it, just getting punked on the glass. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Maryland, I think, played well. And I think they're maybe a better team than their record shows. I think they're they're on the climb. But Nebraska, uh, you know, you've got, you've got to have a little bit more uh, to you on the glass uh, if you're going to go on the road and get a win. And so it was really frustrating uh, when you turn the ball over more times um, then you make field goals, and that's what <laughs> yeah. happened in the game uh, yesterday. So that was, it was a frustrating day.
0: Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7 joining us on the Allo VIP line. Brian, one thing I want to ask you, um, let's say Nebraska holds serve and continues to look horrible on the road, and they go 0-5 in their remaining five road games, and they continue to look like a Final Four team at home, and they go 6-0 and at home, and they lose in the ultimately – uh, Thursday game, the first one that they play in the big 10 tournament. If you're on the NCAA selection committee, how do you take Nebraska? They can't win on the road in the league and they couldn't win on a neutral floor in the league.
2: Yeah, it might, it it definitely could be a subtraction against them. I think they've got to break through and get a couple, um, somehow, some way. It's not going to be easy either. When you look at the schedule, I mean, after Wisconsin, you're going to Illinois, which, whatever you think about the situation involving Terrence Shannon, and I'm not here to get all into that uh, in this segment, but he's back, and Illinois is a yeah. top-ten team, and that looks really tough. And then, you know, Northwestern, as we saw in Lincoln, with a very tough game um, at PBA for Nebraska. So you you got to beat them away from home. Um, but to your question, Mike, I do think they're going to need a couple at, at some point, and I also think it's going to be really hard uh, to hold serve, frankly, in every game at home, that would be ideal. But, you know, Thursday is going to be a real challenge. Um, I don't know for sure when Jawan Gary is going to be back, um, you know, what, what the deal is there. So you, you might have to do it without him, uh, for a few more games. And, um, it's just a, it's just a little worrisome, um, the way it's sort of a Jekyll and Hyde deal with this team. You know, you love the energy and the tenacity they play with. At home, and you particularly see it on the defensive end. I feel like they have a little bit more edge and um, just something to them on the glass. And then when they get away from that building, it, it, it just kind of goes away. And so the, they've got to find it. Um, but first things first, you got to lick your wounds and you got to realize um, the, the narrative on the road thing is a very real deal, but go protect your home now on Thursday. Yeah. Like if you could beat Wisconsin, if you could bounce back and put that. On your resume. I mean, it would be a fascinating study if this team doesn't win a road game, but they just keep, you know, winning out at home. And, like, what do you do with that? But overall, they might still have a shot, you know, of getting in with that because of some of the wins that would be on their resume. So you got to take care of the game in front of you Thursday. Um, You got to see it as a big opportunity to stick another huge one next to Purdue. And um, you know the K State road win looks good too, even though it doesn't count in league play. So you got that counts. Um, but yeah, that you th- this has to be a team that shows, as they have in the past, that they can get over adversity and that they can feed off the crowd um, and um, find their edge again defensively and on the glass.
1: Talking little hoops with BC Brian Christopherson Husker twenty four seven. It feels a little bit like that uh, Tim Miles team that what they go thirteen and eight or or thirteen and seven something like that and didn't make the tournament. Um, but you, the good news is you still have Michigan on the road. Uh, they're really bad this year. You have a lot of winnable games. Penn State seems winnable. Um, Minnesota's at home. You've got you know, a big opportunity with Wisconsin this week. Illinois is going to be really tough on the road. Northwestern's going to be really tough on the road, but they have some wins. If they, if they were to knock off Wisconsin, that would be you know two really impressive wins, and I think Northwestern win is going to be really impressive when you look back at it Uh, but in your opinion where do they need to get does it matter uh whether it's home or away or just are they going to look at uh, that is the selection committee and say hey Nebraska's got 21 that's good enough
2: nobody knows for sure but the number I've said in league play is get to 11 and see what happens with it and that's not easy but um If they can get to, and this is going to sound bad to say out loud because it's going to hurt getting there. But over the next three games, I've, I actually thought this even before Maryland and I I didn't want to say it out loud. But if they're six and seven after Northwestern, so that, that's uh, the Wisconsin game, then they go to Illinois, then they go to Northwestern. So that means they'd only win one of the next three. And you know, the grumbling that would uh, be attached to that. However, if they are six and seven, when I look at the schedule to finish, I would think they could win five, at least five of the last seven games. I really could. I mean, you get as you said, you get Michigan twice. You get one of them in your barn. You get Penn State, uh, which is one of the worst teams in the league at PBA. You get Minnesota there. Uh, if you go to Indiana. You go to Ohio State. Maybe you can get you know one or two of those. So um, there is definitely a chance for this team to make a real strong finishing kick if they're at full strength and um, they're playing their best basketball. What you really hope is they're not like sitting five and eight. You've lost all your momentum, um, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's kind of tough to dig out of that hole. So um, I, they're not thinking about it like we are, obviously, on the inside. They're just thinking about the next game, and they'd love to beat, win at least two of the next three. And maybe they can. But I'm just saying it's not over if they can at least win one of those, because one of those will look really good on their resume, and then they've got a chance to really finish strong. So all is not lost if they're like six and seven a week and a half from now. And in fact, I dare say I would almost take it like and run with it and just see what happens down the stretch. So maybe that's a very pessimistic <laughs> viewpoint of things, but I've, I've thought about this. I I called it a four game stretch before Maryland for a while and I was pretty worried about it. And uh, honestly, Saturday made me more worried about it.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to throw Northwestern out as a guaranteed loss on the road, because I think uh, the standpoint of the way Northwestern played down the stretch in the game here in Lincoln, um, they're going to be overly motivated based on their own performance. And that to me is going to be almost the toughest game to win. Although, Illinois may be a different level than we are, especially on the road for Nebraska. But what would be bigger if Nebraska goes one and one against Illinois on the road and Wisconsin at home, which one is bigger for Nebraska on the resume? Is it Illinois on the road?
2: Yeah, I would say so because you get more, there's this more oomph that goes with that in the metrics, like in the net rankings and stuff. Um, Now, both would be quad one wins, so you could make the argument they're both the same. Unless Wisconsin just falls off a ledge down the stretch, which I don't think they will, um, so I mean they're 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 in that same category. But road road wins always count for a little bit more, um, you know, in that in sort of their value. And so yeah, I would say that would be the bigger of the two, and it would it would obviously be a huge uh, pelt to put on the wall for that whole thing of like oh they can't win away from PBA. Like if you went and beat Illinois, you know, and they're building um that that would that would almost be equal to like two road wins it feels like to me two or three so um that one i would say would have more significance but if they could grab wisconsin on thursday and beat them and even if they lost the next two and there's going to be that negative narrative about these guys just can't what happens to them when they when they leave the area code um they still are in position and i just i i am going to beat that drum uh, but you got to get one of these next three and ideally you'd get two, you know, that would be awesome to be that keep your head above 500. And, um, and then you go on a run down the stretch. Um, so all is not lost if there's a loss or two over the next week and a half. But you do need, I think, one of these games um, to really kind of keep kind of keep boosting like the spirits that this can happen. You know, you're right there, you're in contention, you're on the bubble, make that big kick, you know, you, but you, you do need something good to happen in this next week and a half.
1: Brian Christofferson, Husker 24-7, talking a little Husker hoops. Barring a complete collapse, it looks like Nebraska is at least going to be in, in the NIT. Is that good enough in your mind that Hoiberg is automatically back next year?
2: I always look at it from what do I think um, Trev Alberts or the brass is – thinking about the situation and um, whenever I listen to him speak about the changes that Fred has made to his staff and uh, obviously, you know, he switched up his assistant coaches and I think we've seen it sort of in the way they've recruited the last two years and the type of teams and the template for which they're trying to build their uh, roster is different than it was. And I get the sense that Trev Alberts is very appreciative of that switch and sees the progress in that and the possibilities that are happening with that. So my best guess and it is a guess but it is based off listening to what the AD says when he's asked about basketball is that I, I don't think it's do or die right now. I think there's there was sort of a whether people like this or not, I feel like there was a reset um, that happened on the program and now if they had just stunk it up last year and they completely stunk this year it'd be a different story but they don't there there is like signs that they're getting close. To figuring this out and um i i sort of think uh you know there'll be at least one more season no matter what but uh obviously you got to let the games play out because you never you never know how everybody's feeling like 10 games from now you, you gotta you can't just uh fall off the fall off the edge of the cliff here you gotta be that team that uh, makes people proud and does protect your home court and you know eventually does get a win on the road so um it's it, it's, it's still, there's still a lot to prove for everybody. Don't get me wrong.
0: Brian Chris of Husker 247 joining us on Husker Rewind on 93.7, the ticket on the Aloe VIP line. BC, I want to get uh, a quick jump over to the, the quietness and the eeriness that is no press conferences off-season winter conditioning football, uh, the program with the new transfers that are coming in, guys trying to find their way around campus, learning what the Corey Campbell's workouts are like, and all this buildup that is going to start slowly uh, jumping on top of each other as the player stack days in the weight room headed towards the spring game. What are your thoughts right now on football?
2: Um, I yeah, I mean, there is a quietness right now. I, I do think probably rule will speak soon. Um, you know, he in a way, and this is not me sucking up. Um, this is the truth. He, he's he's actually talks a lot more like in the off season than we're used to, and so we sort of got a taste of that last year. We'll see if he does it as much. But I mean, remember last season? Like he did the early signing day press conference, and then I think it was it was about now or, or February. He he just did another one just because, like, let's answer some questions here. Sort of what's happened since then. And so I'm sort of expecting there might be one of those pretty soon. Obviously, uh, there would be reason to talk about the Glenn Thomas hire, how that fits with Satterfield, and what he, what his vision is for that. Um, I do know, you know, they're they're kind of filling out some pieces on their recruiting staff right now, and some within sort of their support staff system. So maybe they're waiting for that. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I do think uh, they'll be. We'll hear from him probably sooner than later if it, if it goes like last year did. Um, And I, I think he likes to have a voice and an outlet to the fans to say, this is what's going on. Uh, But for the players and all those guys, yeah, it's going to be like, um, let's put our heads down and, and, and work sort of uh, without the spotlight on now, let's, let's build this culture and build this team. And this is an important time for, you know, there's 17 or 18 early enrollees that are on campus right now um, who, And I've talked to a lot of them for stories. And, you know, there's most of those guys are thinking, I can contribute in 24. I can help this team. And I saw how close Nebraska was in some of those games. And while we're tired of the word close around here, it does still play with those guys who just got here, who, who looked at last season, the first year of rules, time at Nebraska, and thought, they're not that far away. And if I were there, you know, I can help make the difference to get this team over the top. So we'll see how many of those young guys can prove themselves in these months. I think it's important that some of them build up their bodies. And obviously there's the big question is your QBs like Ryle and Danny Kalen, like how they're winning respect by how they attack things. Because now you're to that point where nobody cares, you know, what your, your recruiting ranking was or whatever. It's, it's like how you fit in here and how do you lead and, and win respect for how you go about it every day. And so I'm sure there's some young guys who want to prove that they're all about that.
1: One final one for you, uh, BC, you mentioned the hiring of Glenn Thomas, the quarterback coach. I I think uh, Dylan Raiola has already mentioned that they have a relationship building. And I think that was the big reason you have Dylan Raiola, you hire a quarterback coach. The quarterbacks really struggled last year. Uh, he's got a decent resume, maybe not sexy for some Husker fans comes from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he did have a great year with Matt Ryan when he was, uh, doing big things at Atlanta. How big is this for Nebraska in your mind, the hiring of Glenn Thomas?
2: I think it's just a common sense hire for rule. Like I, I it's a guy that he's been with before Satterfield's been with, uh, you know, uh, Glenn had had um, success with Charlie Brewer um, at Baylor, and he had some success with uh, PJ Walker at temple. And um, the thing I like, as I look through those numbers is um the TDI and T ratio is, is <laughs> nice. You know, like, uh, there not was some negative.
0: Three, there were, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just said it's not negative. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Like if it, it was even Steven, we'd be pretty impressed by it. Wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was like three to one on one of the years and two to one on some of the other years. And so it's like, okay, I'll, I think people would take that around here. Obviously he's working with different QBs, but, um, I think there's gotta be a ton of excitement from his vantage point of, you know why would you not want to like go work with a guy with the tools of Ryle and see what you can do with that? Like that, that's got to fire him up. I actually think too, this is good for Marcus Satterfield and some people would uh, flinch at that. Cause they'd say, okay, why? He was the offensive coordinator by himself. Now he's the co-OC. doesn't, that seem like a demotion. I think, you know, fair or not, He was going to take a lot of arrows last year for an offense that I thought was probably going to struggle no matter who was calling the plays in some ways, because I just don't think they had the right piece at quarterback. And uh, with some of the injuries that stacked up, I sort of thought it was going to be difficult. Could things have been better, done better at certain circumstances, perhaps, but I don't think anyone would have looked really good last year. And now he gets to work with the tight ends. Um, in this offense, which they want to be more positionless. And that means he's going to be close with guys like Carter Nelson and Keelan Smith and some of these, you know, wide receiver tight end hybrids and Jaden Doss. And, you know, he's a, guys that can move around the chessboard and he gets to work in the room with them every day. Um, I think it could be useful for him as a coach. And also, now it spreads out the responsibility a little bit. And I think there's something to be said for that. Like, you know, if there's a bad day at the office, uh, the talk radio for the next week and on our message boards, isn't just about one guy. It's about the, like, you know, it was, everybody takes responsibility for it and everybody's going to be part of the success and failure. So I think in a way, whether it was intentional or not, it kind of, uh, takes a narrative off the board. Um, that was the, you know, floating in the air all of last season. And now it's not as prevalent. So maybe that's going to be good for, uh, for everybody. And I would think it would be good for a coach's sanity. Who's in the middle of that too.
0: I I do agree with you BC. One question I have, who is going to call plays? Do you have an inkling or do you already know? Have you heard anything?
2: I don't know for sure. That's where, I mean, what I know is that they hired Glenn Thomas and their co season. That's what I know. So, I mean, like beyond that, I don't think anybody's got all the secrets about exactly how they're going to handle it, which is why the next rule, time where he speaks I think is going to be interesting. Now how much he'll lay out I don't know, but I think we found that Matt Rule sometimes tells us some stuff, you know, <laughs> like he probably. I mean he in early December if you go back to the press conference um he told us what was going to happen with the coaching hire without saying it. He said, you know, a year ago we actually were probably going to have Satterfield at tight ends to begin with and then things kind of changed. And he kind of told everybody like look for it, you know, without it happening yet. And uh, so my point being, um, I don't go into the press conferences now thinking like, oh, we're not going to learn anything. And it's just going to be coach speak. Sometimes I think there's actually some really interesting stuff said, which I appreciate. And I think the fans do. So maybe we're going to get some of that uh, hopefully sooner than later. But uh, we'll wait on that. But uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I, You know, your inkling is to say it's still Satterfield until you know we're told otherwise but i i can't say that 100 percent
1: uh jameson williams goes 42 yards on a reverse the lions take a seven nothing lead over san francisco so maybe the lions in the super Bowl that would be fun be so it'd be fun to see the lions uh, get to the Super Bowl.
2: You're a you're a better guy than I am, Tom. I I'm a guy who, if they're in my division, I yeah. hold grudges. Like even though the Lions are right. so sour for three decades, it's just like, yeah, I don't want you to have success if I can't have. I agree. Them. So I'm, I'm I, not as I'm not as pleasant as you.
1: If it were the Packers, <laughs> I would not want them in the Super Bowl. The Bears, I would not want them in the Super Bowl. But I feel bad for the Lions. Uh, throughout, but, but you're right. I should hate them. They're in our division.
2: <laughs> no, you shouldn't. That's it. That's a good quality you have. It's, it's, I it's, I'm saying that I'm not. I'm not the person well, I probably should be for about
1: <laughs> Well, uh, I'm sure. He, are you going to hang out at Schaefer's next week? Uh, I'm sure he's having a big Super Bowl bash. <laughs>
2: uh, I don't know. I, um, he, you know, he he can't stand the Chiefs either. So uh, <laughs> we would be we would be in similar. Yeah. We'd have similar takes. I. That's think, right. on The game.
1: Who well, would that's you root for? Because you hate the Lions, you hate the Chiefs. You would have no one to root for. That just uh, <laughs> you have to root for the a good commercial, I guess. Just hope
2: that Usher still has his dance moves from when
0: I was in high school and
1: college. There you go. Yeah, if if he throws out a hip, I'm going to be so disappointed. BC, thanks for the time. Uh, You're the best. We'll have you hopefully back before the end of the basketball season, for sure. Yeah, yeah. hopefully they stack up some wins and make it real fun for us, but we'll see. Thanks, BC. Thanks, BC. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. That that is tough to watch the Super Bowl. You mentioned that you're not really interested in watching the Super Bowl cuz you don't like the Chiefs. Well, if
0: if it's the Chiefs and the Niners, as a Cowboys fan, I I just it's inherent after the uh, Montana and Dwight Clark uh, catch that I can't like them no matter what. I respect them at least. And I think Christian McCaffrey is one of the most awesome people out there, yeah. but um I, I would root for the 49ers, but if it's Lions, I just think that story That's is a great so story. much better. Than the NFL gifted the Chiefs the third Super Bowl in the last four years. I just
1: it's interesting because he mentioned I can't root for anybody in the division. And I get that. Because I I don't like the Bears. I don't like the Packers. But the Lions they just they've had such a tragic I mean, it's been thirty two years since they've even been to the playoffs. It would be a great story with the Lions. Um, my buddy Dave Fiala, his cousin Rick Kane played for the Lions back in the seventies and eighties. Didn't he hold Um, a record for him? He, he like held a record for most fumbles ever by a lion running back. So uh, that's, awesome. that's, and that that's funny. Um, but he used to, he lived in Nebraska and then their family moved to Oregon. I think he played for Oregon. Uh, but then in the NFL, he played for the Detroit lions for Kane. Nice. Um, But that's his cousin. So it's kind of a cool story. So I'm, I'm rooting for my buddies, lions. Uh, I'm rooting even for the you, lions because Donovan
0: Raiolo spent his entire career there and he was the only guy That's right. worth playing in the NFL that was on a lot of those Didn't
1: teams. Schlesinger play there briefly Of course Yeah, Corey Schlesinger briefly. I'm trying to <laughs> think of other Husker famous. Well, and, Sioux yeah, and Dominic and Sue spent and Sue eight years of his Adrian career. Adrian Martinez tried out for them. Yeah, uh, Isn't he playing in the, the UFL now? I Did don't he know where he is now. I don't know. Well, no,
0: he was interning here at Nebraska, but I thought he signed a contract with one of the UFL teams.
1: Yeah, Dominic Riola. That's the reason I'm going to cheer for the ones. There you go. Um, I'm going to get to break. I definitely know that. Uh, fun show. Mike Melby, Tom Stevens, we do it every week, Husker Rewind. Next hour, uh, we're going to talk to the legend, the Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman, nine years in the NFL, get his take on what he's seen today in the NFL and talk a little Husker football and Husker hoops as well. Got to get to break right now. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, more after this.